A while ago, there's, there's a scripture, I can't think of where it is off the top of my head right now before I start though, um, that says, if I told you, if I just told you what God's going to do, I think it was Paul, you would never even believe me. I couldn't tell you. It's so far off your grid, you wouldn't believe me. Do you realize we're on the, the very beginnings of something that God's going to do that isn't known? It's never been known. It's not in the early church. They've seen it, but they didn't walk in it. Only but a few. Enoch, Elijah, a few of them walked in this. And people we don't even know, Sunder Sai, few different people, but there's some things God is going to do in a generation. And we are on the cusp of it, but we're going to have to be willing to let go of the way we've understood things, clinging to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're going to have to trust Christ. We're going to have to grow up. And so what I'm going to talk about this morning is maturity. It's about faith out of rest. What does that mean? Rest. Faith out of rest. There's a bit of an echo. Sorry to be a pain. There's a little bit of an echo still. If you could just try to take that out because it'll drive people crazy. So, faith out of rest. So, I want to talk about that this morning because I'm going to show you what meat is. It's time that we have to begin to eat meat. Meat is righteousness, isn't it? But I'm going to talk about what that is so that we can actually begin to grow into what God wants to do. So let me start like this. Let me read a paragraph. You're going to have to listen to this one to kind of understand what I'm saying. I want to talk about language. We must realize that there's nothing real about a word. A word is always symbolic representation of an imagined picture. When we choose specific words, we've actually made a series of judgments. We select words based on our own personal experience. The receiver of those words, pictures, then assign his own ideas to those pictures. That this means that language, the act of transmitting pictures, is a broken telephone method. A situation, or sorry, method, a situation where the picture received is always different from the one sent. You know that story, don't you? You remember where we get in the circle and I speak into somebody's ear and they speak into somebody's ear and by the time it gets to the end, man, it's a complete different story. We wonder what the heck were they talking about, right? This suggests the more exact, the narrower the definition of the agreed-upon meaning of the words the less distorted the communication. Follow? Do you ever wonder for a moment at Babel? There was one language prior to Babel, right? What if it wasn't communicating? How does God speak to you? You hear him audibly speaking. He speaks to you. He can speak to the Chinese guy, the Japanese guy, and the guy from Yugoslavia all at the same time. And they're all understanding him. No doubt, know exactly what he's telling me when he's talking to me. There's no confusion. One language. 
What do they speak in heaven? Same language. I'm not saying that there wasn't a language, but I'm saying we have this idea that everybody spoke, let's say, German. Right? And then at Babel, we had all these languages. Well, it confused is what took place. Let me give you an example of, of, of the way, and I don't know that for sure. That was just food for thought to think about. I was just thinking of the perfect, which is the way Jesus speaks to me, and then um, going from there. Because language is like that. I'm going to speak this morning, and some of you will get a different message than I'm going to tell you. Because it's based, we are submitted or subjected to language, which is poor at best. Because what it does is you grew up with an experience in life, and you've got a language that's been given to you, and you're going to take what I say that's communicating from my heart and try and put it into your grid. And depending on where you are on the mountain is another whole ball game. Correct? Do you see? Give me, I'll show you an example right in our midst. Have you ever thought about the word um, patience or a patient person? You know the old story, whatever you do, man, don't pray for patience. Right? The lineups, the lineups in the grocery store will get bigger. Right? Patience. Well, we all in our minds right now we believe a certain thing about what the word patience means. But let me tell you what the Hebrew word for patience is. By the way, all languages came from the root of Hebrew, and, and especially English. The word patience means suffering. Now, let me show it to you right in front of your eyes where you didn't see it. A doctor's sufferer. Patient. A doctor's patient is the doctor's sufferer. That's what the word patience means. Now, there's a prime example of how our language and the way we've been taught is not right. Now, I know long-suffering, it is patience. You learn patience in long-suffering. There's a truth there, but the problem is we come in at the very lowest level on it and think it's about waiting in line, waiting for God, God, which is suffering. But right? Do you see and follow what I'm talking about? Now, I'm going to show you what a couple of words mean that just like... These two words are worth the entrance in here today. If you chew on these, they'll bend you. These alone. The first word is glory. Glory. Wait till you hear this. What the word glory means. The word glory in Hebrew is galoori. Discover my light. Jesus Christ in me. The hope, not my hope, his hope of glory. So what did he do? He planted his word, Christ, in me. 
that I might discover who I am in Him. Discover the light. Discover the light is what glory is. That's why it comes in. We begin to get blasted is because we are entering into the understanding of the person of God. Discover the light is the glory. Can you? He's saying, I have hope, I have hope. It's like when you go and you plant a little seed in your garden, right? And you have hope that that seed is going to take and grow up into this massive tree. What do you think this is called earth for? It's a garden. You're planted in here. And he planted a seed in you. Next word. Woohoo! Rise. To rise. In our English language, it's to get up to heaven. Let's go to the Greek heaven. Right? To arise. Right? It means, it comes from a, a Latin, oriri, O-R-I-R-I. The Hebrew word is orer, O-R-E-R, and it means to awaken, to be aware, to wake up is what it means, to wake up. We have been so far, so far, carnal. We have not understood what's going on. And God is about to do something. I made a little statement this morning. Anybody that's died, failed. If, you die, if, I, if we die, we fail. God never came to give us life so that we would die. And we're coming towards something, a generation that'll believe them. Yeah, that bends you, doesn't it? We could go down that road for two hours, but we'll stay where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Woo! We're to wake up to what? To what? I'm a multi dimensional being. This morning, God did something to me. It was kind of fun. As I come around, I stood behind Sue. I walked around myself. I see me. I know it's going to bend you. I see me walk around. I went, whoa, what was that? And the Lord said, that's your spirit, man. It's seated in heavenly places. That was me. Where are heavenly places? Well, I that was so simple. Then I understood it. I'm seated in heavenly places, it's dimensions. My spirit, where's your spirit right now? In your back pocket? In your trunk? In your shoe? Where's your spirit? It's in heavenly places. Scripture tells us it's seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, what is, where's Christ? Oh, he's omnipresent all the time. And if I am where he is, I'm omnipresent. I just don't believe him. That's our problem. We're still playing church. We don't believe him. What did he do on the cross for us? Okay. Matthew 13. I'm full this morning. Sorry. 
I had a crazy week, but then me and the Lord had an amazing time in the shower. I got, I got to tell you, I just got wrecked. I mean, uh, uh, don't go there. Okay, Matthew 13, 11 to 13, Jesus said to them, to you, he's speaking to his disciples right now, the disciples, those he was discipling. He only had 12. He didn't have 10,000 in his church. Because in order to disciple somebody, they must be with you. And you have to be accountable. You have to see me, see how I'm living. I'm accountable to you. You're accountable to me. This is discipleship, fellowship with each other. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? That's what discipleship is. Not on the internet with some dude or somebody that doesn't give a rip about you, just your money. Okay, to his disciples. To you, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to break it for you, Jesus said. But to them, it's not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall be given more. And to he who has it, to him, he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them, are you ready? In parables. Because while seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now, Jesus spoke in parables. Parables. Those parables are not what you think they are. They are a heavenly language. And yet, what do we do? We go around and teach them. We teach them in their original form so you can't see and think it's biblical and spiritual. You're following me. There's a heavenly language. Jesus is speaking it. But he knows nobody gets it. But you guys, he says, I'm going to tell you what it means. Right? We're heading towards a day God wants to speak to his own. He's called us out out of the witchcraft, to speak to his own, right? Jesus spoke in parables, seeing they didn't perceive, hearing they didn't understand, and he spoke a language of the Spirit, not carnality. Not carnality. Hmm. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom's not of this world. Did you hear this? It's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting, that's the angels, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm, dimension. It's not of this realm. His kingdom's not of the world, it's a heavenly kingdom, heavenly dimensions. To understand it must come from the Spirit. Do you see this? Who is the Spirit of truth? Jesus said he would send us the Spirit of truth. And that it's spiritually discerned. It's spiritually discerned. It's not what you think. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in the heavens. Heavens, heavenly realms. There's more than one heaven, multiple, seven, maybe more. Seven I know of, there may be more. Heavens, 
We've got to pull out of the Greek and move. Got to move. Pack your bags. Get out of the Greek, right? So that we'll understand these things. Multidimensional. What I've realized, that today there are many voices in the world and in the church. It looks like God's a schizophrenic. Does it not? Hey, our God is a schizo. Seriously. That's what I felt this week. I said, really, God? Really? I got prophets saying this, prophets saying that. What is this all about, God? They're not in agreement. Where are you? Where are you? That's what I said to him. That's where I got this week. Last week it was, I realized the only one I can trust is the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if he's quickening what I'm telling you today, you can trust him. That's who you trust. They're writing books about truth, yet many of them contradict each other. Doesn't that confuse you? Am I the only guy here that's confused by that? Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At least they're admitting it. It's like, let's, let's get all these people in the same room. All right, who's accountable for that bull crap you just wrote? Who's accountable for the spirit of fear that you just deposited? When God says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, and he says perfect love, it actually kicks fear right out the door so it can't even exist. There's no fear in God. Where do we get the idea there is? If you write a book that projects fear, you best go back and burn it. Because Lucifer just used you. Is there the fear of God? Yes. That's not it. That's not what it is. God, I said, is, are you schizophrenic? Like, what's happening? Do you know what he said to me? This is what he said to me. He said, well, let me, let me say this. How can we know first? How can we know what's right? Do you not want to know? I don't know if you're with me, but I want to know what's right. Anybody else? Okay, there is a way. He showed me when I was a young Christian, someone asking me what a dream meant and me helping them with my understanding out of the Word and how I understand through my life experience. I don't know about the rest of you, it kind of frustrated me. Sometimes I got a little things that they were happy with, but for the most part, it was all Russian. Don't your dreams kind of freak you out? They're Russian, right? So that's the way I was. It was like, God, really? So this is what he showed me this week the way I was translating them. Then he said, this is carnal. This is what carnality is. To reiterate the word as it is, is no different. It's just carnality. Hmm. Parables are not carnal. It's hidden to the carnal mind, what it is. It's a language of the Spirit only unpacked by the Spirit. Right? There's some incredible revelation, but it's got to come from the Holy Spirit. Now, later he showed me somebody would come to me. This only happened to me in the last 
five years, I can actually remember the day it happened up here where somebody would come to me and tell me a dream, and not all dreams, I don't, it doesn't happen all the time, but dream, or they get up and they share a prophetic word. And as soon as they do, I know exactly what it means. And it didn't move through my reason. It had nothing to do with reason. It does not use the reason uh, facility, or faculty, I mean, sorry. But I would know what it was, and I knew it came from the Spirit. It was so simple. Remember I talked last week about knowing and knowledge? Everybody with me? Keep focused, you're going to lose you. There's a difference between knowledge and knowing. The knowledge of God, the knowledge of good and evil, the two trees. The one knowledge is your reasoning factor, where you reason. It's actually in your mind, which is in your heart. It's not in your head. This is just a hard drive, okay? It's in your, your heart and not the pumper, right? Your mind is there. They've scientifically proven this now. So, there's a reasoning but then there's a knowing. A knowing is, how do you know? Remember what I said, how do you know you're born again? You know, you just know inside, right? It's a knowing. That's the knowledge of God. So when somebody gets up and they begin to share a word, a prophetic thing, and it sounds like a bad dream, right? Or sometimes it's all this crazy stuff. As soon as they start talking, I'm, I'm understanding it right away. I don't reason, nothing. It's just coming. I'm just like, oh, wow. That's kind of nuts. It just all makes sense to me. I didn't have anything to do with it. It was the knowing of God. This is what God offers us, the knowing. So, that will happen in dreams. Somebody will start to tell me a dream, and I'll just, I'll get it right away. I'll just like, wow. Now, it usually comes out of somewhere out of left field. It makes perfect sense when it gets, it gets to me, but when it's first scene, it's like, I could have never got there through my reasoning faculty. That's why when Jesus spoke in parables, they just didn't get it. Now listen in Galatians, what Paul says. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand the gospel message. The one that I preach is not based on human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Direct revelation from Christ himself. This is what God wants of us. This is what God wants of us. So, he began to speak to me about this for myself first. First thing that came up is he showed me a word called through a guy speaking, and then I went and researched the word, actually, in, uh, from, through Hebrew ling- linguists. And the word is called Merkava or Merkava. Now, the thing about this word is, and what this means, is this has been hidden. The only people that really knew about this were the Jewish mystics. 
the ones that moved in things with God. They didn't tell women, and they didn't even tell rabbis. Most people didn't know about this, and today they still don't know about what this is. But this was a hidden thing. This is what it means. It means chariot or the throne. As God described by the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 1, it became an object of visionary contemplation for early Jewish mystics. What it is, is this, the moving throne of God. The moving throne of God. It's in Ezekiel by the river Chabar. And he showed me, he said, this is exactly what happened to you. So when I'm in the bathroom in 1978, the moving throne of God, the very thing that happened to Ezekiel, happens to me. I see it. Wide open. Not an impression, not visions like we think, but like more clearer than you sitting on the sofa. The veil just rips open, this thin veil, and I have what happens to Ezekiel to me, which completely changes my life forever. You can't help it. There's so many people that say they have things happen to them from God, and they don't change. There's no change in their life. There's people running for inner healing and deliverance all over the earth. They don't change. They're still trying to get it. I say, what is that? Do I believe in deliverance and inner healing? Absolutely. But I believe more in God. You cannot come into the presence of the Almighty, the creator of all things, the one that is not arm-wrestling Lucifer, and remain the same when you come out. You can't. So this is what he began to say. The soul has been leading through the five senses and now must submit to the leading of the Spirit. You see it in marriage. He told us this in marriage. He said about a husband and a wife, he uses the bride in Christ to show us these things. He's talking about the Spirit and the soul. You've been being led by the flesh, the five senses, but you must, there must be a marriage to the Spirit, and the Spirit is the head he leads. The guy that walked around me this morning, he's in charge. That's me in the Spirit. My soul must be subjected to him. That's when the real fruit will begin. That's when the consummation will take place for me. <clears throat> It's not in our reasoning faculty, but it's in the knowing of God. The Lord said, what do you know, John? I said, the all-consuming love of God, the liquid love, and the awe of who you are and how great you really are. You're all-knowing. I didn't get this from man. I got this from Christ himself, like Paul. That I came from you and that I will return to you, heaven is my home, and at times I'm homesick for it. How absurd is that to your mind? 
It was very absurd to my mind that I was homesick for heaven and I thought I'd never been there. I said, God, I don't get this, man. And so I said, well, okay, it's just my spirit. You know, I try to water things down the best I could to try to understand it. But that I was homesick for heaven, yet it had been veiled like I'd never been there. Jesus, you gave everything to you. Rescue me where? From darkness in a foreign land and prison. I'm imprisoned in a foreign land and in darkness of mind. I've been darkness, veiled from who I really am, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, His world. Right? And when I speak about me, I'm speaking about you. I always use me because I'm the guy that has to go through the experience or I wouldn't even be telling you because I wouldn't know. Then I got a revelation of the Father, an open vision that changed me the very moment. I could tell you about an hour and a half on that story alone, but I just am catching a reference on this for you. Because I saw a person of such pure, pure love, gentleness and kindness, that it smashed the false idols blocking the eyes of my heart. You have false idols blocking the eyes of your heart on who He is. That's why we have the multiple prophets giving us crap. Because their eyes of their hearts are blocked. They don't know who He really is. So they see Him through their experience. They mean well. They mean well. But you've got to be changed. You can't teach on the Father heart of God unless you have it. Really? We've got teachers all over the place teaching stuff they've never lived. Who, who, who released them from heaven to do that? That's what I'd like to know. Or is it a business? Business. Hmm. It's 25 years later now since the father. Matthew was two. At the time, he's 27. And I still know it. It's, it's in my being like a beautiful, captivating fragrance that lingers. It's lingering even now in me. But it's like there's nothing I can do. It's like I'm so hungry for this. I long for the fullness and the great honor of seeing him face to face or dwelling in the very center core of his heart. How can I want and know that? How can I want to go there and not be afraid of that? Because I've seen him. He's amazing. I don't know who this other guy is that books talk about. Oh. <laughs> Let me just reiterate for a moment and don't shut off on this we've heard it 1 Corinthians 13 love is patient is God suffering 
for humanity right now. He's kind. He's not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Did Jesus look like he was seeking his own when he went to the cross? It's not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffering. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Oh, thank you. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away with. Tongues will cease. If there's knowledge, it'll be done away with. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. Are you ready? But when the perfect comes... Now, why would the perfect come if it means i got to die to get to it? It's coming! The perfect's coming! What is the perfect? It's not the partial. It means I don't have a gift of prophecy. I'm a prophet. It doesn't mean I got a word of knowledge. I have knowledge. It's Jesus. He walked with knowledge. He walked with wisdom. He was a prophet. Do you see this? We've been in part with a gift. But the gifts will end and we'll walk in the fullness. Or you might as well take your Bible and pull this page out or you're going to have to believe he says when the perfect comes the partial be done away when I was a child I used to speak like a child think like a child reason like a child when I became a man I did away with childish things for now we see in a mirror dimly but when Face, then face to face. Now I know in part. I'm not talking after death. That's an enemy. Never forget this. Death is an enemy. Does the Bible not say death's an enemy? So why do I want to submit to him? Why is everything subjected to him? When Christ is the author of life? Do the math. We need to do the math. See here what it is? I will know fully, or sorry, but then I will know fully. I'm going to fully know when. Listen, as I also have been fully known. Okay. Do you know that heaven knows me? I don't know me. That's been the problem. What is darkness? I will know when, when the perfects come. I will know as I've been known. So what are the angels doing? They're ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. So they're ministering to me so that I'll wake up. Remember? Arise. And I will begin to walk in who I really am. That's what the earth, what's it say? The earth is groaning. Romans 8, what happens to you? The Spirit will come upon you, and it says with groanings that cannot be uttered, the Spirit will make intercession. Do you know that God responds to the groanings? The whole earth is groaning. What for? The sons of God.
for the perfect to come. And it's not because they work it out, man. It's because they wake up. He says, for now, there's faith, hope, and love. Abide these three. But the greatest is love. So then I said to myself, okay, how do I love him who is love? You ever ask yourself that? How can I love God who is love? I mean, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. Love's not a feeling. I mean, we know what it's feeling, right? We, watch, we feel it when we watch a nice romantic movie, right? That's not really love. Love's not a feeling. The feelings of love follow the choice, right? I have to choose. Then the feelings follow the choice I made. That's emotions, right? They're part of the train, but they're not the actual engine. I believe the only way is through being like my Father. This is how I'm going to love Him, by being like Him. As I let myself be a representative or to represent Him, as Jesus did, I am honoring Him and loving Him. In no greater way can I do this. Because He loved pure love, and do you realize that the human race has been designed for this? It was designed for love. And it's when we're complete in Him. So I cannot do anything greater. And He showed me one day, He said to me, John, He started talking to me, I, st- I woke up one morning in, in a, a trance, basically, let's call it what it is, and all of a sudden, I seen this sea of souls adrift, lost. And I seen a dock, and God was the dock. I'm anchored, my soul is anchored to the dock, right? And it was love. It was pure love. It was God. And He was calling them to come and be anchored in Him, right? And as, he, as I seen this, He then began to speak to me in 1 John. And say to me, this isn't really that difficult, John. You can just listen when they open their mouth and you'll know within a couple of seconds whether they know me or not or whether they're religious. Listen to what they say. Do you hear love? Do you see it? You cannot say you know God and hate your brother. You're a liar. For God is love. For God so loved the world, every human being, that He gave His Son that none would perish. You ever seen an orange perish on, a, on your counter? Or a banana? Bananas, they, they do it real quick for you. Right? That's not His desire. So that means decay and death isn't his idea. That's perishing, isn't it? So he wishes none should perish, but all should come to repentance. That means to turn around, to change your mind, to follow Christ, right? That's what repentance is. It's not you getting kicked in the head and feeling bad because you didn't get away with something. It's a turnaround, a revelation, a wake-up. Lights come on. 
It may look like that because there's usually wailing involved because you're such aware of your condition. Mm. He come for the whole world. This is his intention. As I look to him, the knowing of God, I walk in the Spirit, I will hear and understand and see and perceive. Otherwise, I'll be spun around like a person in a storm. A dance of confusion by the many so-called very schizophrenic voices in the world and in the Western church. I don't want to do that. I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. It's driving me bananas. It seriously is. I don't even care if they're having a conference. I don't even care who's who in the zoo. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ you best be following because they're not going with you anywhere. He is. Right? We must know Him. We have no choice. And He's love. He's calling your name constantly. But we get confused in the grid. I believe the journey of Israel... Oh, good. I believe the journey of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land is a picture and a warning to us today, to the latter church. No one entered the promised land. Do you realize that of that generation? Not even Moses. We need to look and see and listen and hear what their lives are telling us. It's important. They didn't get in. We all think that we're on the cutting edge of Christianity. Right? It doesn't get any better than this. Right? We know all things. That's why we send missionaries all over the earth. Problem is, a lot of those places we go to, they know more than we do. Africa is probably way more spiritual than we are. We just think that witchcraft's over there. But they're spiritual. They're more awake than we are. It's when you realize the condition that you, you begin to humble yourself and say, Oh God, oh God, please help me, wake me, show me, love me, make me like you. Right? That's why he brought me back to, the, to my um, crossroad to say, what do you know? This is what you know in your spirit, John. This is not your reasoning factor. You know this, right? Yes, Father. Nobody can take this from you. It doesn't matter who they are, right? How are they going to get it out of me? They can't. They can't talk me out of this, right? You can't. So we're going to build on that and go from there. And don't get caught up with all the winds and the storms all around you. Just get caught up with me. And so that's what we've been doing over the last five years, right? Pursuing the presence of God and getting in the glory of God. Very important. Very important. If you're going to walk in what He's going to do, if you're going to be able to believe Him, We've been on a, I don't know about you, but it's, it's been 40 years for me. In 1974 is when this started in death, in a car accident. So 40 years. I'm, I'm, I want out of the wilderness, guys. 
and I want to go into the promised land, and I'm going to show you what it is. Hebrews 3.15, every day is an extension of God's today. Hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The stubborn rebellion of Israel brought them nowhere. The same people who experience, now this is going to, listen to this one. The same people who experience God's mighty act of deliverance out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses were the very ones who rebelled. They grieved him, it says, for 40 years in the wilderness until they were reduced to nothing. He vowed that their unbelief would restrain them from possessing the place of his promise. This is the scripture, chapter 3, verse 18, Hebrews. His rest, based on his perfect likeness, restored and revealed in man. Let me say that one again. They did not, they, he vowed that their unbelief would restrain them from possessing the place of the promise. It's called the promised land, right? This is the promised land, his rest. His rest based on what? His perfect likeness restored and revealed in man. First one, Jesus. He's the template for us. The point is this. Even though they supernaturally survived in the wilderness for 40 years, they completely missed out on what God had in mind for them. Their own unbelief disqualified them. So you can experience God's supernatural provision and protection and remain outside of His rest. The ultimate proof of, proof of faith is not the supernatural, but entering His rest. His rest celebrates His perfect work. His rest finds its definition and reference in Genesis 1.31, 1 Kings 6.7, and Colossians 2.9 and 10. He longs for you to discover your own completeness and perfection from His point of view. His rest is sustained by what he sees and knows and says. Not what you think. What he sees and knows and says. That's why Joe gets wrecked and he starts to enter into that because he keeps seeing God's forgiveness. He keeps seeing God's incredible favor and love towards him. Even though many times he doesn't feel like he deserves it, God comes along and says, doesn't matter, I love you. And it overwhelms him because God is inviting him to rest in the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is why can God come to him and say that? Because of what he did. Now, do you now understand the scripture that says, but Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do this and this and this? And God goes, I don't know who you are. Adios amigo. Right? Do you remember this part? Doesn't that, that used to freak me out. Now I understand it. They weren't walking in the rest of God. They didn't understand this one truth. That's the battle today that's going on, by the way, in the globe right now. 
that battle's on for this. But not that many people agree with this because they don't know what this is. They think it's the freedom to sin. It's the freedom from sin. They don't understand grace. So God has called us to this place rest. The children of Israel didn't make it. In fact, the truth is, even those that went in didn't make it. And there would not still remain, but the Scripture tells us there's still a rest that remains for the children of God. That rest is there for you and me today to enter. But we have to choose. We have to choose. Chapter 4, verse 1. What a foolish thing it would be for us now if we would fail in a similar fashion to enter into the full consequence of our redemption. The consequence, the full consequence of my redemption. Who is this Christ? What did he do? (laughs) He didn't give me a second chance. He fully did it. He fully did it. He didn't leave it up to me because I would have failed. So he took care of it for me. What is the full consequence of our redemption? It says in 4.11, let us therefore be quick to understand. It's important to fully understand this. Or, Or... The writer of Hebrews wouldn't say be quick to understand because many don't. And fully appropriate the rest and not fall again, he says, into the same trap that snared Israel in unbelief. Do you know what it was? Their addiction to the law of their own effort. The addiction to the law of their own effort. You cannot spit on the cross and get away with it, no matter whether you call it of God. It won't work. I'm telling you today, you will not get in. This is how serious this is. This isn't, oh, it's not, man. Why does it say, why is the road that leads on destruction? Many are they that are on it. It's not about the lost. Narrow is the road that leads to where? To life. And what is it? Few are they that find it. I'm giving you an opportunity this morning to see. Go home, argue, wrestle God all you want in this. Go through the Scripture, rip it apart. But if you find what I'm saying is true, if the Spirit of the Lord is quickening in you anything of what I'm saying, then do not harden your hearts this morning like the children of Israel. Do not harden your hearts and go back to your own self-effort because you cannot add to what the Creator of the universe did. What did He say to Job? Were you, are you my counselor? Were you there the day that I created the universe? If not, brother, you best settle back down. Right? Why do you think we can do something that Christ hasn't already done? 
It's so important, man. This is a cutting issue of the Reformation. This is what will take us out of Lucifer's church and bring us into the kingdom of our Father. That's the Reformation. It was a bloody mess for Luther, Martin Luther. It ain't going to be any better in our time. The unpack he's doing now? The moment we cease from our own efforts to justify ourselves, God's Word takes over the action. What God spoke to us in the incarnation is His final Word. Radiating His image and likeness powerfully impacts our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. What He spoke becomes a living and powerful influence in us, cutting like a doctor's scalpel, sharper than a soldier's sword, piercing to the deepest core of your human conscience. Right? To the division of soul and spirit, ending the dominance of the sense realm of the soul. Ah, sorry, I got to get a get bell. You need to drink that one for a minute. Whew! That's what the Word of God does. It pierces to the very core of my conscience. It divides what's spirit and what's been of the soul of the sense realm. The soulish world. Reasoning. The soul, and listen, it's neutralizing effect on the human spirit. It neutralizes your spirit. The soul realm. Thus freeing the spirit to be the ruling influence again in the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now let me tell you that is a small s. It's your spirit. It's your spirit. It has the influence again. It's like a bad marriage. You've seen bad marriages, right? They don't work. That's why he called it marriage. There has to be a marriage. Your spirit must be the head. Because if your soul is, and your soul has been your whole life, you're in big trouble. Spirit and not soul, are you ready, is compatible to mingle with faith. Let me say this again because I'm going to tell you why we don't see miracles in the church. Except by gifts. God gives gifts. Thank God for gifts. Do you know why he gives gifts? Like a Benny Hinn? Because if he didn't, in five to ten years, we wouldn't believe God even liked us or would have wanted to heal us. Well, God doesn't heal. So what's he do out of mercy? He manifests a gift. So Benny goes, and people get healed, and we go, God heals. But that's not it. The word of the Lord is this. These signs will follow them that believe. That means when I walk, people get healed. If they're not, I'm not a believer yet. God's word's a lie, or I got problems. 
And let's just call it for the way it is. Why do we want to hide? Well, it's not yet time, brother. What are we waiting for? The Word of God? No, God's been waiting for me. This is the problem right here. We're trying to get faith in your soul. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. He's telling us spirit, not soul, is compatible. Compatibility. You ever try to run a Mac program on a PC or a PC program on a Mac? Doesn't work. I hate that. Because they're not compatible. You try to hook up the hard drive that's a Mac hard drive, or sorry, better yet, a PC hard drive on a Mac and then try and delete something. You cannot do this. I want to do it. You cannot do this. It's not compatible. So we're trying to get faith. We preach on faith. We write books on faith. But how many have heard that faith is of no value in the soul? It's got to come from the Spirit. Nobody told me. Somebody forgot to tell me that. I don't know about you, but I want to be, are you ready? A believing believer. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be the true worshiper that Jesus said, who will worship my dad in spirit and in truth, not in your soul, in the spirit. Almost there, guys. No distortion due to disease of any kind can hide from the voice of the word, which touches even where joint and bone marrow meet. The The marrow is the living part, of the bone. Now, what is the living part of you? It's your spirit. That's what he's talking about. That's where the, the place is between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. <clears throat> the whole person is thoroughly exposed to his scrutinizing gaze. Every creature's original form is on record in the Word. They're calling it a scroll today, right? Representing God's desire to find display of His image and His likeness in man. They're made in my image, right? For this reason, we can approach the... I love this. I didn't even see this before. You ready? We can approach the throne called authority of grace. There's... a throne, but it's called authority of grace. You see, I've never heard it that way before. There's authority in grace. There's authority in grace. We can approach the, author- the throne, authority of grace, with bold utterance, where we are welcomed in his embrace and are reinforced with immediate effect in times of trouble. To be reinforced here specifically is a rope or a chain uh, that's a frapping a vessel in a storm. It ties it and chains it down. That's what he's talking about, right? By now, you Jewish people should have been professors teaching the rest of the world but you still struggle with the ABCs of God's language. This is what he's saying. You're struggling with the ABCs of God's language in Christ. The difference between the prophetic shadow and substance is like milk and meat in your diet. 
You cannot live on baby food for the rest of your life. We can't live on baby food for the rest of our lives. Mm. Do you see what he's talking about here? You cannot live out of a prophetic shadow. The shadow was only there to lead you to the real thing. How stupid it would be to return to the shadow. How much do you think you'll get from my shadow today if the sun was shining and he's over there on the floor? What are you going to get from him? Not a thing, right? All he's going to do is you're going to go, if you look there, you'll go, there's a shadow. Look at that. Looks like a man because he has short hair. Where's the sun? There he is. That was the purpose of it. A couple weeks ago, the Lord said to me, John, didn't I say something about plowing a field, that if you're plowing, it's good not to look backwards because you can't keep the furrow straight. So he said, why is everybody returning to the old covenant to try to find me? Instead of looking at what I've given, it's already here. You're looking at a shadow man and trying to figure it out. So he gave me this quite a while ago, a few couple of years ago now, maybe something like that, where he talked to me about the, the shadow and the substance. Remember? Where he talked about everybody's waiting for pizza. So we're going to talk about pizza now. What's your favorite pizza? Well, it's Godfather's. Isn't that nice? It's Godfather's pizza or New Orleans, whatever you like. And so we talk about pizza and we say, you know what? I've called, that's called prayer, and I've asked the delivery boy to bring the pizza. It's going to be here in seven minutes. The pizza's coming. And I'm going to finish this in seven minutes. So I tell 4,000 different ways about the pizza guy, the delivery guy, when he's going to arrive, how he's going to arrive. I'm writing books about it. I might even get raptured out to the street to find him. I tell all these stories, right? And then we wait. Remember, distance and delay, pillars of religion. So the Lord said to me one day, he said, John, you know what I'm talking about, right? The delivery boy is the Holy Spirit. The pizza is the great move of God or God coming to me whatever you want to call it, right? He said to me, John, the cross is 2,000 years in your past. He said, let's talk about the substance that Paul's talking about. So get this. He said, the pizza's in your mouth running down your face and you're waiting for it because they've taught you to wait for it. It's called the blind leading the blind. And so as this was going on to me, it's news to me. He wanted me to be like a child and believe him, right? And so I believed him. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, light started coming into my office. Angels were moving through the room. And I was in the glory like I'd never experienced before. How did that happen? Because a bunch of people taught me to wait And God said, stop it. 
Stop that. You got the pizza in your mouth, man. Start chewing. Get it over. And I started chewing. And oh my gosh, that pizza was good. And I'm telling you this morning, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The pizza's in your mouth right now. You can have this as much as you want. As much as you want. And I get like you. I get caught up. I got caught up in all these voices for a few days. And then I'm in the shower. I go towards the shower. I hear this thing. And next thing I know, the spirit of intercession hits me. I know he's interceding for me because I'm in trouble. And I I start, I'm going to be really transparent here. I start weeping and wailing, wailing from within. You've seen it a couple of times here in the glory before. That's not me. I can't work that up. Sorry. Spirit of intercession, I'm weeping, I'm groaning, probably for me, the son. So I'm groaning, right? And then all of a sudden, man, boom, I am drunk in God's love. I'm, I'm laughing in the shower, I'm the only guy home. I don't have to put on anything for anybody. It's me and Jesus in my shower, and I'm laughing like a silly schoolgirl. And I feel so good. And this is when he began to teach me and say, John, what do you know? I know one thing. I have pizza in my mouth right now. If you guys want to wait for pizza, that's totally up to you. But it's a freaking delusion. Okay. Paul's trying to tell you this. He's trying to tell you. And then he says, the difference, remember, the shadow and the substance, milk and meat. How is it that makes the difference between the milk, which is the shadow, and the meat, which is the substance? It's because in order to be in the substance, I have to enter the rest. I have to believe that God actually did something on the cross, and now I believe He loves me. God loves me. Judgment Day happened. It was on Jesus. It's appointed unto man once to die. That would be Christ. It says he died one death for all men. For all of us. And then the judgment. He was judged. So now he likes me a lot, man. He's crazy about me. He's crazy about me. He's like this girl that's always writing me notes, right? He's making calls to me. He's wanting to go on a date every day, every minute, every hour. He wants to hold my hand. It's like bizarre. Why? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Right? Who's bewitched us? Where have we been? You see? The rest of God is believing in what he did. That's the meat. I and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous. I'm not trying to get righteous. If I'm trying to get righteous, I'm going back to the old covenant, right? Which the wages of that is death, But the gift of God is eternal life through the Spirit, it says, of life in Christ Jesus. It's a law. Which law are you under? Which law do you want to sow in your life? 
The law of death or the law of life? That's our choice. The revelation... I got one minute. The revelation of righteousness, how God succeeded to restore mankind to blameless innocence in Christ, is the meat of God's Word. Babes live on milk, the shadow of what's to come. So does everyone else who's not pierced in the ear of their heart with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? The revelation of righteousness. You need to hear this. How God succeeded to restore mankind to blameless innocence in Christ is the meat of God's Word. Babes live on milk. He lives on apples. The shadow of what's to come. That's what the milk is, is the shadow. So does everyone who is not pierced in the ear of their heart with the revelation of Christ. The ear of your heart needs to be pierced. Righteousness, one more scripture. Righteousness by faith gives definition to life. To now revert back to the law of works driven by willpower is an insult to faith. This is Hebrews 10.39, by the way, in case you don't think it's Scripture. But we are not the quitting kind. We possess a persuasion of soul that believes against the odds. I leave you with this word. Glory. Discover my light. Discover my light. Not everyone is going to discover the light. Do you realize this? Because most people are just waiting for that great, beautiful person, death, to come to kill them, and then they get to go to heaven and be perfect. But it's not true. That's a demonic doctrine. Why is it a demonic doctrine? Because the spirit of death. Jesus said, didn't he not say, that death is an enemy? Did you know in the book of Psalms, I think 102, it says that um, there'll be a day where there's going to be a people that believe him, right? Where he will return their youth. And death, their opponent, it says the opponent death will cease. Nobody heard that, did they? No. That's a tough one. It's Scripture. I'm going to fight the good fight for this. And if I don't make it, <clears throat> if I don't make it, it wasn't because I didn't believe it. So if you see me die, I still believe this because it's scriptural. And if it's not for me, it's for him. Right? But it's possible it's for me. The devil's already tried to kill me twice that I know of. There's probably many more, but those two I am totally aware of. Once in the bottom of the ocean and once in a car accident. But God's kept me, and I'm still here. So, I kind of think He wants me to stay alive. And so as I'm alive, I'm going to still proclaim what He tells me to speak, no matter what people think about it. 
no matter if it's the, the crowd or not, because I'm answerable to where it came from, and that's from Christ, like Paul, received it from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. <clears throat> oh, I thank you for the yummy pizza, God. <clears throat> oh, macarito, no mochito, no motiete, ni mesita, no mata. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so glad I quit trying to find you and began to just sit on your knee hang out, get to know you. I thank you, Father, that there are people arising in the planet. They're waking up. I thank you for Paul the Apostle and his obedience to you and the Holy Spirit and the things that he unpacked for David's wonderful heart towards you. These were all you and them, gifts to us. So I pray this morning, Father, first, that I honored what you told me. Two, that you would awaken the hearts of those that have heard it. That, God, I used a broken telephone called language to the best of my ability this morning. But I rely, Holy Spirit, on you to deliver the word and pierce the ear of their hearts that they might hear. That we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God loves us. That we would enter the promised land, the new creation. That, Lord, we would find the narrow road that leads to the life of Christ. Woo! Ha! Living out of you, Jesus. You're so good, man. You're so good. We love you this morning. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.